Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, friends, it's humbling to look at you one last time from this place. Um, As you know, it's my last Sunday, and this is my last sermon here, at least for the foreseeable future, for maybe a long time, who knows. But um, I had a hard time thinking through that this week. I had a hard time thinking what I might say. And of course, my job's easy in the sense that I'm given what to say. Um, the word of the Lord, uh, it's not a hard task to just get up here and parrot that. But of course, we're given to do it in our own personalities, in our own ways. And we're th- I'm thankful uh, that my colleagues do it week in and week out. They get up here and proclaim the word of the Lord uh, full stop. And so I hope to do that one last time for you today. As I reflected over the last two and a half years in preparation for this, I, I kind of wanted to get a, a survey of what I have uh, had said before and what I, I said the very first time. And I thought about maybe giving you sort of a best of. Uh, I didn't do that. That was always the worst, you know, when Seinfeld would run that like 100th uh, episode and we'd just run like a chronicle of, uh, you know, episodes they had done prior, a montage. I thought about doing that, but Matt and Camel said no. Um, we couldn't set the sound up to do that. But I did look at the first sermon I preached here, right, right here from this pulpit, um, and I was given to talk about, this was uh, three years ago almost, or three lectionary years ago, two and a half years ago, and it was Luke's gospel, um, and I was given to talk about how the past often haunts us. The lectionary kind of brought that to the fore, about how sometimes nostalgia, though sweet, uh, is bittersweet, and it brings, uh, brings some awful memories sometimes with it. And just, I guess, a proper bookend to that uh, is today I'm given to talk about the future a little bit. Here we are, the first Sunday of Advent. By the way, Happy New Year. Uh, it's the nerdy way that seminarians greet one another. Uh, and post-seminarians, people fresh out. Jim did that at morning prayer this morning. I thought, man, I'm, I'm doing that for sure. But yeah, given, given these two bookends of thinking about the past and now thinking about the future, Christ uh, speaks to us in his gospel today. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So that brings to mind, and Advent as a season makes us think about the future, what's next, um, and in some ways, what is going to end uh, and what will replace it. So Christ is talking, of course, to his disciples before he's to go and, and die on the cross, but he's also talking to us and thinking about the very end, whatever that may look like, and he describes a little bit about what that looks like. And the funny thing is, so the description is, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. He goes on and on, there's, there's these signs, but friends, these signs have been here since the beginning. Uh, since sin broke into this world through Adam and Eve, and consequently over and over again through us, this has been our reality. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint, and I don't think we're, we're set, we're given to pinpoint when the end shall be. But Jesus, even speaking these words, makes us think about something bigger than where we are right here and right now. It makes us perhaps globalize our scope and think on a worldly, cosmic side, throughout time and space, I don't like doing that that often. I like to think about me and my problems. I like to think about uh, what I'm going to have for breakfast this morning and what I might watch this evening with my wife. I don't like thinking about the big problems, and yet Christ is talking about that a little bit. And we're horrified when we hear these kind of things, right? We're horrified when we hear about global warming or we hear about you know, world poverty or we hear about uh, economies failing. We hear about wars and rumors and wars. We hate it. I mean, we read the headlines. We keep in touch, but I don't, I don't really like to hear that stuff because, again, I'm all about me. And I'm sure you're all about you. But time 
is brought into our minds here. And you've made a mistake by letting a philosophy major get into the pulpit. I'm given to think about time over and over again. Um, and I'm not going to go deep in the weeds here. But time, uh, this is not so philosophical, but time keeps on slipping into the future. What was that song? You know how it goes. Into the future. Yeah, I can't remember the band, but um, time keeps moving forward. Sometimes I lay in bed at night and I have a hard time falling asleep occasionally. Just street noise in New York. I won't have much of that anymore. Uh, maybe hear cows and sheep. I don't know. But... Um, Sometimes it's, it's quiet enough that I can hear my Timex still ticking. Do you know that awful sound? You're laying in bed and you can't fall asleep and just tick, 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 tick. And it's dreadful because it, it brings to mind all the things I haven't done today, all the things I didn't have time to finish and how time just keeps slipping away. We talk a lot about, well, all we talk about here is law and gospel, and that's, that's law, friends. Law is time itself, that we, we're not given enough time to do what we need to do. We confess our sins saying, forgive us for the things we've done and the things we've left undone. Time keeps ticking. I thought maybe I'd be on a light note this morning as I start. <laughs> there you go. But you know, I, I think someone who was in touch with this well was Johnny Cash. And you remember that song, uh, of course you do, Folsom Prison Blues. And he's talking about time going on. He's behind this jail cell. He says, I'm stuck in Folsom Prison and time keeps dragging on. That train keeps a rolling on down to San Antonio. And he goes on later to say, But I should have known I had it coming. I know I can't be free. But those people keep a moving. And that's what tortures me. So if we're given to think about time. We're given to think about how others have time too. And we, we sometimes feel jealous. We compare ourselves. We contrast. You know, he's in the jail cell and he sees the people in the fancy dining cars going by on the train. Wishing he had a piece of that. We all do that. Time and age and seasons, it can be a source of law for us. I remember being in high school and learning how to play guitar for the first time. And just after a few months, you know, kind of self-taught, picked up a few things. I thought I was pretty good. And little legalistic me, I would ask other guitars, how long have you been playing? And that's a way of saying, look how impressive. I've, I'm three months in and I can do that. You see what I mean? That's a law. Or when you get out of college and you see someone, you say, how old is that person? Like, oh, they're, they're 31. Oh, I got some time. They're doing great, but I've got a few more years. You know what I'm talking about. Or, oh, so-and-so, how long have they been married? Oh, 45 years. You compare yourself. Time makes you do that. It's, it's a metric you set up, and it's the law. It's the law crashing down on you. And all the things Jesus is talking about here, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. And I think the biggest thing that we do is we try to avoid that reality at all costs. I mean, the season of Advent brings this to the fore, and what do we do? We plan, we plan Christmas parties as well in advance as we can to avoid Advent. We like Christmas better. We like the chatter and the drone of our cookie recipes and our Christmas cards going out and all that. And I'm not hating on that. You can continue to do that. But in some ways, it's our way of chatter and drone to, to silence the fact that the Timex is ticking, ticking, ticking. We do that. We do that to avoid the painful present, the painful present. Some of us are predisposed to think about the past. Some people in my family do that. They think about the good times that went, went before us. Some of us are predisposed to think about the future. We like to think about the good days ahead of us. We oscillate between those two, two realities, right? You're, you're given to think about one or the other. You want to go back to junior high calculus class? Probably not. But, or you want to go forward to you know, your five-year plan. But you're never really thinking about the now. I mean, how many of you are thinking about the now right now? You're thinking about maybe what's next, probably, or what happened before. It's hard to even pay attention to me, I know. We don't think about the present. And Jesus, in his own way, even though he's calling the future in mind, that necessarily makes us think about the present and how we get to the future. 
this is my last philosophical foray, but uh, Blaise Pascal in his Pensées, uh, he talks about this. He talks about how uncomfortable we are with the present. He says, we refuse to face it because it normally is offensive to us. We refuse to face it because it vexes us. And it is pleasant that we refuse to face it because uh, we deplore its passing. We try to keep it by merging it with the future. We fondly think we can arrange matters which do not lie within our control with a view to a point of time which we have no certainty of ever reaching. Let each one examine his or her thoughts. We will discover that they are either concerned with the past or the future. We hardly ever think of the present, and when we do think of it, it is only to shed its light on the future. The present is never an end for us. Thus, we never live, but only hope to live. And since we are always preparing ourselves to be happy, it is inevitable that we never, in fact, are happy. What is he saying there? He's saying we're so caught up in what went before and what's going to happen after that we can't focus on the now. And this is, this is not Christian per se, but it's going to be Christian in just a moment. I'm going to give you why Christ speaks into this. But we can't even stop for just a moment. I mean, my smartphone's a great distraction. It does a really good job of keeping me thinking about the now. There's a lot of other things we can do. But also mask any meaning we have when we can't focus on the now. What God is saying right now. The meaning is, is lost on us. This is a German poet, Christian Friedrich Hebel. He says, The most frightening dream is accompanied, is accompanied by a secret feeling that it all amounts to nothing. That it all amounts to nothing. Howsoever we so think it may amount to something. Don't you fear that? The things that you've built in this life, the things you've been working on that they mean nothing? That's the things that makes me lose sleep at night. That the work I'm doing means nothing. And the work that I've done means nothing. And everything's going to fade away. I'm sorry, guys. It's Advent 1. We're getting serious here. <laughs> but that's the worst nightmare is it means nothing. But what does Christ say to that? What does Christ say to that? He says, heaven and earth will pass away. All the things that you think mean something, they're going to, they're going to fade away. And yet, Jesus says, my words will not pass away. That's mysterious, that's strange, that's bizarre for you and I. We're used to things kind of falling away. We're used to things not lasting. I mean, here I am. This is me after two and a half years giving my last sermon. I'm sure you'll remember me in a few weeks, but someone in 40 years probably won't. I'll be a footnote in this place. You'll be a footnote in this place. Maybe not. You're great. But you, you see what I'm saying? We, everything we work towards, it's not about us because we're going to be forgotten. It's going to fade. But Christ's words will not pass away. And so I stand here this morning heralding that, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And that's what you're going to hear next week when whoever stands in this pulpit does the same thing and the week after that and the week after that and the year after that. Lord willing, until he comes back, that's what we're going to all be hearing, that he has been crucified for us. And that our past that haunts us, and that our future that seems unsure in our own hands, he's got it in his hands. And it is secure, and his word will not pass away. And what does he say in his word? We didn't do it today because the service is, is, is rearranged for Advent 1. But the word he has for us are the same comfortable words we hear every Sunday. Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to the end that we should not perish but have everlasting life. This is a true saying and it's worthy of all people to be received. That Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. 
And if any person sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Heaven and earth will pass away, but those promises will not pass away. Your work will crumble. Your health will fade. Your family one day, you'll be without them. Your friends, your legacy. But these promises are sure. And that is why I'm standing here today, and that's why you're sitting where you are. So hear the word today. Be present in this very moment and know that you are loved, you are forgiven. In Christ, you are not forgotten. And in eternity, you have a place at his table. And even now, you have a place at his table. And we will celebrate that in just a few moments. You are in his hands. And his words are spoken to you today. And they will not fade away. In closing, I want to give just one brief illustration, and this may fall on deaf ears, but if you've seen that movie, A Ghost Story, came out last year, I think, Casey Affleck, it's actually kind of silly, he's wearing this like sheet over him the whole time, like kind of the surplus that I have on, it's just a bed sheet with eye holes, he's a ghost, and we don't know much about his prior life, but we see this ghost wandering around this house, and he's kind of forgotten who he is, not to mention the fact that everyone else has forgotten him, but he's wandering around this house just trying to rekindle whoever he was and he can't he can't think of it there's nothing to jar his memory it's 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 a mystery until the last scene sorry spoiler alert um he makes his way and he finds a note that his wife had written we don't know what's on the on the note we see him reading it and it fades he's he he vanishes but i think the the story there is whatever she wrote whatever it was it freed him and it gave him a sense of who he was and who he is and he was able to release those burdens and leave that house and leave that, that existence of, of not knowing who he was. He found completion. Now, where's the, where's the Christian story in that? I think Christ does a similar thing for you and me. We're not given to just grope in the dark and find out who we were. Christ has left a note for us. And it tells us who we are. It tells us who we're going to be. And it's given in his word. And unlike the ghost, we don't have to grope and go looking for it. It's hand-delivered. And I'm hand-delivering it right now. You are a child of God by virtue of the shed blood of Jesus. And thanks be to God, we don't have to go looking for it. It's right here. When I was in seventh grade, I wanted to ask this girl out to homecoming so bad, Amanda Green, and I passed a note, and I never got a response back. And that's basically a no response, right? But friends, Christ has has sent his letter to you. It's sealed and delivered. It's already opened by his shed blood. We're just given to hear it. So he, he said, yes, you're going to homecoming with him. You're in you got a place at his table. If I said it enough, you are loved, you are forgiven. Christ is here with you today. And he's promising to come back one day to bring all things to fruition. But right now, in the present, we're given to live. We don't have to fret and worry. We don't have to make Christmas plans and worry about things not getting done in the oven. We can live in the present and be thankful that we are forgiven. We are full, we are complete, we are loved in him. And so, unlike this passage from Blaise Pascal, we don't have to fret about the past, the present, or the future. Everything that has to occur in you has happened in Jesus Christ. So receive that promise today. You're going to hear it again next week if it's Ben or Jake or Jim, I promise you. But I wanted to do it one last time. You are forgiven. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.